Justin Trudeau's environment minister becomes one of the losingest losers in all of Ottawa, and you just love to see it. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. Justin Trudeau's radical environment minister, Stephen Gilboa, has been handed a series of court losses these days, starting first with the $20,000 judgment against him for blocking Rebel News online. He hasn't paid that judgment yet, but building on that loss, he lost in court in a challenge of the No More Pipelines bill, C-69. Um, the province of Alberta was an intervener in that court action against Stephen Gilboa and the federal government, and the law was just very recently ruled unconstitutional. However, Stephen Gilboa remains undeterred, completely ignoring the ruling of the court, saying he's going to proceed on with the regulations in that law in some new iteration because he thinks he's apparently above the law. And then building on those past two losses, the federal single-use plastics ban was just overturned in court. And again, Stephen Gilbo, not one to be deterred by common sense, says that he is going to charge forward with a law that rules that safe, sterile plastic is somehow toxic classified as deadly as mercury under Canadian law. Yeah, he's an absolute, well, loser <laughs> based on his track record. So today, my guest and I are going to talk about that. My guest today is Robbie Picard from Oil Sands Strong. And we're also going to talk about the Buffy St. Marie scandal, wherein CBC committed an actual act of journalism and uncovered the fact that the music icon has been masquerading as indigenous for at least half a century. It is fascinating. And since Robbie is indigenous and he and I have very recently become obsessed with the story of the pretendian bluffy St. Marie, I thought, you know what? Let's talk about that too. So... <laughs> Take a listen to this conversation Robbie and I had earlier today. So joining me now is my good friend, Robbie Picard. I have a few things I want to talk to Robbie about, but first thing I want to talk to him about is the courts overturning Stephen Gilbo and Justin Trudeau's ban on single-use plastics. Um, I think this is a big win for the industry and really embarrassing for Justin Trudeau because this was, for some reason, one of his flagship policies. I, I think that Justin Trudeau should take a walk in the snow and reconsider, you know, what his legacy truly will be. 
A, a ban on plastics is the most insane thing I have ever seen in my entire life. And the so-called woke citizens that somehow thinking think banning plastic is going to make the world a better place because some poor turtle had a straw up its nose. Um, it, it's insane. Plastic is every part of our lives is essential. It was essential during COVID. It's essential every single day. And to ban it completely in a country that needs it more than ever is insane. And I'm very glad that Justin Trudeau is, you know, eating crow right now. But it also goes to show you how he has zero value for anybody in Canada, but his, I don't know, his ideological views of the world, which he just got proven that uh, plastic is not toxic. It's essential. You can't say that plastic's toxic when it keeps you alive in a hospital. Like plastic's essential. Can we recycle better? Can we have less pollution? Can we, you know, instead of shipping our recycling to the Philippines to be recycled there, can we handle it better? Sure. But uh, no, Justin Trudeau, I'm, I'm super happy this happened to him, to be honest. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. And now Stephen Gilbo, not one to be uh, uh, corrected by the courts easily, has said that despite this, um, that he will continue on with his plastics ban, that he's going to take uh, the ruling from the court and see what he can do to continue on with his, obviously now it's been ruled, illegal plastics ban. He did the same thing with his No More Pipelines uh, law being overturned. The federal court overturned it. And uh, instead of saying, oops, my bad, let's just move on from this, he continues to say, you know what? We're still going to bring this in. We've just got to figure out a better way to do it. I think when it comes to Stephen Gilbo, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody um, less reasonable in politics. <laughs> Instead of coming up with a plan that, you know, I'm, I'm all for less pollution. I mean, but, you know, here's the truth. And people don't want to talk about the truth. If you go to the Dominican Republic and you go to Haiti, they're two different countries. One country has tons and tons of garbage and all kinds of stuff going down the river system. And the other country does not. One has money, one does not. If we want to make the world a better place for plastics in the ocean, maybe help Haiti and other countries have better waste management. There's not tons and tons of plastic flowing here in Fort McMurray. Our rivers are pretty clean. Every year in spring, all the people go together and they pick up all the garbage and we try really hard to make our city a better, cleaner place. I am against the plastic ban. I'm also against, let's talk about cities that have the plastic bag ban. How many times do you go for groceries and you forget a bag and you have to buy a buck for Constantly. a stupid all the time? <laughs> and then those bags end up back in the, eventually for garbage as well. I, would, I wouldn't even be opposed if there was some sort of charge to plastic I went back into the landfill to improve plastic management and recycling, actual recycling. Uh, a certain amount of garbage can be buried. It can be turned into golf courses and ski hills. Let's just be smarter how we manage our waste. But a ban, this makes no sense.
Yeah, we can be smarter about it like they are in Burnaby, where they constantly protest the Trans Mountain Pipeline. You know what they have there to deal with their uh, plastics? An incinerator, which uses the heat produced by burning garbage for electricity. There are ways that we can deal with our garbage. I mean, it is a stored inert petrochemical. And you get to use it for its intended purpose, and then you get to burn it. So you get to use it for a benefit twice. Seems like a good idea to me. Um, But I think the crux of your argument is that worrying about pollution is a first world problem. And the richer the society, the better you are at dealing with actual pollution. So maybe if we want to deal with pollution, we shouldn't bring in policies like the carbon tax that make people poorer. hundred percent. Yeah, I'm so happy to see the carbon tax now. It, for a while there in our advocacy realm, it was almost taboo to talk about the carbon tax, even for us. Yeah. Like, you can't talk about the carbon tax. You're not supposed to talk about the carbon tax except the carbon tax. I, I'm just so sick and tired of being called a polluter because I'm trying to keep my house warm when it's cold. Uh, I, I find it hilarious. Like I had a conversation with someone the other day and they were talking how we could heat giant buildings, burning wood pellets. And I find that funny because they like, they, they're acting like this is a new idea. It's not a new idea. Burning wood. <laughs> yeah, burning wood. Like I worked on a farm when I was growing up and we had a wood furnace and we had an oil furnace and we prefer the wood because it heated the house better. And we cut our all, all our own wood down for the winter, which a home could do, a small home. You can't do that for a sports complex. And this is what has been being pitched. Like there's so many things that are coming out of Ottawa these days with these so-called intellectuals theories but not tested theories like this could work if this has worked and they get the engineering out and they do the specs but practical it doesn't work natural gas like i I was watching daniel smith talk about uh like it's hilarious like i am gonna i'm gonna give up my natural gas for a reverse air conditioner well i mean this is cutting edge technology that like a heat pump is just a reverse air conditioner that's all it is it's like when, when in the middle of winter, or sorry, the middle of summer, the hot air comes out and the cold air comes in, you reverse it, and then you got a heater. That's not going to work when it's minus 25. It's not going to work at all. And that is their big, all of this millions and millions of dollars, that is what they're coming up with, a reverse air conditioner. But here in Alberta and Saskatchewan, we've had natural gas in our homes for years. We're already right. green, cutting. Natural gas is the easiest, most efficient, cleanest way to heat our homes. And we already have it. Sure, better windows, no problem at all. Improving some of these houses, no problem. But you know, even as I have an older home, my home, my home was built with two by six construction, and it's it, it's very energy efficient. It was built in 1982. After my other house burned down, I, I I bought a different house, and I'm in the process of renovating. It's taking forever. But my point is, is that my house is actually has really good insulation. So I've updated a couple windows. I've made a few changes to my furnace and I have an energy efficient home. Some of these new homes that they're building, so-called energy efficient homes, are so airtight that they cause mass mold and pollution, like in, internal pollution. So my whole point of my rant is, is that I don't trust Justin Trudeau to tell me how to live my life and never mind keep my home. I'm not a polluter because I'm trying to keep my home warm with natural gas. So this carbon tax is 
taxing the poorest of the poor and telling them, hey, we're going to give you 136 bucks in six months or four months or whatever. And it does absolutely nothing to help. But and the other part which blows my mind is that they don't understand, like, by the time the cow gets, it's so many steps. Drive the cow to the pasture, let the cow eat in the pasture. And then if you keep the cow for winter, you got to, there's handling of the hay and the grain. And then the cow has to go to the slaughterhouse and then get butchered and then get processed and then come to the dinner plate. Every one of those steps now is being taxed more than it's already taxed before. So like, I don't think they understand the amount of pain it's causing. And that is why grocery store prices are going through the roof. Handling and transportation has gone up. Yeah, we saw that, um, I think it was Tiff Macklem uh, from the Bank of Canada say that this is adding uh, an enormous amount uh, to everyday inflation. And kudos to the uh, government of Saskatchewan in their efforts to, uh, frankly, in an act of civil disobedience, Scott Moe is technically breaking the law by withholding uh, the carbon tax on Sask Energy. Um, Sask Energy, this is one of the benefits, which there are very, very few to having a crown corporation deal with your energy, is that Sask Energy, being wholly owned and operated by the province of Saskatchewan, collects the carbon tax and the province of Saskatchewan is not turning it over to the feds in an effort to fight for for tax fairness because parts of this country are getting a carbon tax carve out because they are electorally fragile for the liberals. For example, Atlantic Canada is starting to lose faith in the liberals. So that liberal stronghold is getting a carbon tax carve out. Saskatchewan isn't, Alberta isn't. And uh, Scott Moe just introduced uh, a new law. It's called uh, the Carbon Tax Fairness for Families Act which will be the um, the tool by which they are withholding submitting Sask Energy's carbon tax to the federal government. Uh, it's uh, I'm happy to see Saskatchewan using this tool. We should be using everything we can to fight for just equal treatment with other Canadians. A hundred percent. I admire the Western premiers, particularly Scott Moe. I admire all of them, frankly, that they're saying, like, this is ridiculous uh, to tax people to just live. But I think the deeper reason that Trudeau's fighting for the karma tax, it's nothing to do with making the world better. It's because he needs that money, because without that tax money, that I mean, it's it's insane amount of money they've collected. Uh, how can he go on with this insane debt-ridden budget that he has done to our country? Like... I don't, I've never in my life encountered a a more narcissistic time in our politics. I mean, you have this bizarre group of people at the head of our government that they don't, they don't seem to have any common sense. It's all based on theories of this and theories of that and feelings and not practicality. And I'm glad that Atlantic Canada is waking up. I'm glad that Ontario is waking up. And I really hope that when Pierre Polyev is prime minister, that he keeps his word. It's not like the GSD when the liberals said they would get rid of it when when Kretchen was in there. And this carbon tax is completely gone. People have a right to exist. And taxing 
air, not oxygen, but CO2. Like it's, I'm breathing in air and I'm letting out CO2. It's air, right? Like I'm breathing in oxygen. I'm like, it's air. And it's become okay to do that. I'm just blown away by that. I mean, more people need to say, no, you cannot tax us for, and then for living. And if there is better technologies coming out, uh, then get those technolo- technologies out first. Don't, why are you? Why are we penalizing everybody for existing? I, you know, I found something really funny the other day. I was in Calgary, and they're talking about this carbon capture. Oh, carbon capture, carbon capture. And then finally, someone said, you know, that we're already doing all this carbon capture with the boreal forest, and we're actually going to start crediting Canada for the boreal forest, which means that we are not even carbon neutral. We're carbon negative. But yet we back got onto this argument that somehow we have to caption all our carbon or capture all our carbon. And the argument that I was making 10 years ago, like I'm really starting to believe there's no such thing as new ideas. Like I was at the grocery store at Sobeys and they gave me a, a paper bag and she's like, oh my God, this is so innovative. Paper bags. I was coloring on paper bags when I was three years old and they got rid of paper bags for plastic bags because they were cutting down too many trees for paper bags. Right. It's like, it's insane. Like, I don't know. We're, we're in an interesting thing, but no carbon tax. We need to stop the stupid carbon tax. Thank you, Scott Mo. Yeah. I mean, and if it were intended to stop pollution, then why did they exempt the most dirty, if you care about those sorts of things? I don't, but the liberals tell me they do. They exempted home heating oil, which is like adjacent to bunker fuel, which is <laughs> some of the dirtiest fuel there is. They exempted that while penalizing people who use clean burning natural gas. Uh, It's definitely not about making the world a cleaner, better place. Um, Robbie, I want to talk to you about something that you and I have very recently become uh, a little bit obsessed about. And the reason I want to have you on is because you are Indigenous, and I just want to make sure that I am uh, sampling outside my own bias, as they say. Um, Let's talk about Buffy St. Marie. (laughs) Because um, you and I are consumed by the fact that apparently Buffy St. Marie is just your average Italian lady named uh, Beverly Santa Maria. And she is not, nor has she ever been Indigenous. She was definitely not 60s scooped in her 20s and um she has traded on an indigenous identity that she absolutely doesn't have for the better part of 60 years to the point where she threatened her own family with accusations of pedophilia to shut them up if they ever did tell the truth because her family the real heroes in this story are such good people she knew she couldn't buy them off with money she had to do something much, much worse. Robbie, um, tell me about your opinions on this Canadian icon, CBC darling, living a lifetime of lies. You know, I went down this rabbit hole. Uh, deep, yeah, we did. <laughs> um, I have to admit, I've always liked Buffy St. Marie. But truthfully, after doing all this research in the last few days, I realized I really didn't know much about Buffy St. Marie. I didn't really listen to her music. I knew maybe one or two thought songs and I don't candidly, she's successful, but she's also not successful. She's had a fair bit of a good career, but it's not like she's Taylor Swift or Madonna. It's not like she had massive sold out concerts or anything like that. Okay. So 
monetizing as far as record sales and that type of thing. I don't think she's even as big as Jan Arden, frankly. So, Oh, I think she might be, particularly in the United States. But you also have to realize she is part and parcel a creation of the CBC. And as it turns out, probably not even Canadian. <laughs> Born in the States to American parents, definitely not from the Piapot First Nation in Saskatchewan. Uh, I think a lot of her success, financial and otherwise, uh, comes by way of trading on an identity she just didn't have. And because of that, she took opportunities and financial rewards from real Indigenous women who just couldn't live up to this, you know, idealized version of the Indigenous woman that Buffy St. Marie represents. Well, see, and that's the part that that I think that is is the is the worst part and the most ethically sad part of what she's done here. So it's not like she's a massive pop star. Sure, she had some success and she made some money, but I would make the argument that the majority of her money came off of her fake Indigenous status. Yes. And, and, and being in that space. So I, I, and I'll have to admit, like, there's a lot of talent. Like I watched, I watched her on Sesame street recently. And I was just like, some of the stuff, like when she was the scene about how the wind blows, it's so captivating. But the truth of the matter is, and this is the part that is really hard to swallow. There's, there's so many indigenous people that have had a tough time, have had to deal with racism, have to deal with issues internally that could have used the award or the shot or the attention she took and all the attention she got was slowly based on her indigenous identity. So what I was getting at earlier about, I don't believe she's a massive success on her own uh, mm. without that thing. And I think like even the award that she recently got in the, uh, the Alberta arts museum and you know, it's all, it's all based on government type things that artists would get. I bet you she's gotten millions of dollars of government grants or the, the money from from indigenous sources like it goes really deep and i think it is two things that i'm kind of perplexed by i'm perplexed by the amount of people that are they're so wrapped in her lie and they don't want to believe what that what she has done uh, and how she's actually taken space from people who needed it but also i mean this is where it's going to be very interesting for the future this is probably the best thing that ever happened to her being discovered because I believe she's a narcissist. If you look closely and you look at her face, she's always got kind of like this duper's delight, that little smirk whenever she tells the lie. Um, yes. I, I went back and watched and watched and watched and I'm like, and I look closer and closer and you can see her makeup and you could, and then when people questioned her, she would ramble this and ramble that. And there was not a, a real truth to it. And I, I think that that's the sad part. I, but even if you look back at the, the adult adoption, um, I would even make an argument that uh, it, she probably helped the Piapot First Nation simply because a star of her level gives them attention, which gives them some purpose as well. But I, I don't give a shit about them. I don't care about that. I just think that two things are like, she just got another Emmy. Like, I, I don't know right. how that happens. Like For a and, documentary. On her life, a documentary on her life. Yeah, I, I don't get it. And and when you, the hardest part too is there's there's a lot like her family. Like yeah. she she had a perfect family. She had a perfect upbringing. Um, you, you know, uh, I, I I'm surprised that people are okay with the way she just rid off her family like that for this identity. So I think she's the next level narcissist. I I don't think you'll hear a lot from her again. 
I think she'll kind of just fade away now. Um, I don't, I, and it'll be interesting how it plays out, but in history, she, this is probably good for her because now she's cemented as one of the biggest, like, I mean, forget her music. She should get an Academy award. She's better than Meryl Streep. I mean, to play that role for 60 years, well done Buffy, but it's a shame for the people she took the spotlight from. And I think that that is the, the saddest part. I'm surprised that Trudeau hasn't commented on this and, and that she's not kicked out of the order of Canada yet. I mean, it's, and she's not even Canadian. I mean, what does it say about Canadians? Yeah, that's the thing. I, what bothers me about the Buffy St. Marie story is just that Buffy took whatever she wanted all along the way. And yeah. she never cared. She took a Canadian citizenship. She took awards and accolades that uh, were only meant for Canadians or Indigenous Canadians. Uh, she had herself adopted into the Piapot First Nation. And I think in part because they thought we're having this woman returned to us who was taken from us by the government. And I think... In retrospect, if they had known she was just like a random white liar from just outside of Boston, would they have taken her and adopted her as one of their own? I don't think so. But now the the lie has been told so many times. How, how do they now give her the boot? I mean, there are stories about her taking other women's husbands. Um, it's just there's she took everything that she ever wanted and she didn't care that she was taking it from someone else. And I think that's the most atrocious part in all of this for me is just, I, I just don't know how you can do that. And then even now continue to lie. She knew the CBC hit piece was coming out. And I don't want to call it a hit piece. It was actually a really good piece of journalism. They went and dug up her birth certificate. She said didn't exist. And they went and contacted the Saskatchewan government to fact check her on her lies when she said, oh, uh, I was born in the Craven Hospital. Um, and the Saskatchewan government said, yeah, there, there wasn't actually even a Craven hospital that year that you say you were born in a Craven hospital. She said, oh, my birth records were destroyed. And they said, actually, no, we don't have any fires or floods destroying birth records in those years. Like, um, so CBC did actually a really good piece of journalism on her. And even though she knew it was coming out, and even though after all these years, her birth family, which is her real family, would be speaking out. She still continues to lie. She just won't be honest. And i that's a special level, as you say, of narcissism. Yeah, I, I think, and, and you can, there's there's stuff too, like her, we found her in a rabbit hole digging. We found uh, we did. her, we, we found her son and, and there's proof that he was talking about this way before the documentary came out. I mean, he was, he knew about it. Um, so... Yeah, but I guess if you're Buffy, what do you do now? Do you admit it? Do you say, hey, sorry? Or do you just kind of go down in history as this? I don't know. It's a it's a next level of – but I think she's a cruel person, um, yeah. very cruel and um, probably dangerous. And uh, and I don't know. Like that, but you got to give her credit. I mean, 
she, I mean, she, one of the posts I was watching, she was talking about the Soprano as well. Tony Soprano, he got nothing on her. She's, yeah. <laughs> she's, a, she's a Soprano. I mean, she like literally and figuratively, like she, she showed a level of something that's sad, but it also, in some ways it makes me sad for Canada. It makes me sad for indigenous people to yeah. that hunger to have a hero, especially back then. You know what I mean? And Buffy was a hero mm-hmm. and she provided like we, someone can make it, they can do something. And, and, you know, to have, to have another pretend person, I think that's sad. Yeah, I agree with you. And really at the end of the day, this could really just all be cleared up with 23 and me. Um, we know that Buffy has lots of biological family out there, um, including her niece who is finally speaking up for her father. Um, so, but I her son speak- released his DNA test and it showed, um, I found something about that too. Her son did it already. And he was like, he's, a, he's indigenous because of the father, but uh, dad, yeah. Yeah. But on his mom's, he's related to his grandparents. That's how he knew. So yeah. he already did. Yeah. It got posted a while ago. So this, I think this is why it's been kind of brewing for a little while. So. Well, Robbie, I'm I'm glad we could talk about that because you are such a strong advocate for indigenous people and, and, and ba- as you say, back when Buffy became prominent, there really wasn't anybody else. And she just attached herself and stole opportunities from Indigenous people. And I, I don't know, I think it's sad because she became an idealized version of an Indigenous woman that real Indigenous woman struggled to live up to. And, and uh, I can't imagine what that did to their psyche. No, and I think it's depressed. Like, actually, I met a friend of mine, Lawrence. We were having coffee, and he knows her. And yeah, he was he was devastated by it. It hit him hard because it was like because they believed in Buffy. So, um, but I guess some good point comes out. I think there is a hunger for Indigenous culture, and hopefully, when she you know gets her old ass out of the space uh, and puts <laughs> some new people in there, maybe there's a chance for other people to shine a little bit. You know, and yeah. uh, I think you know that. I mean, she's something, Buffy. I mean, I like that. You, you got to say like that is a next level. So, and I don't. I, I'm curious, what is she doing in Hawaii? But I mean, she's 81. I mean, yeah, she won. You know. She rode the lie to the very end. She oh, yeah. probably has 10 years left on this earth, and she's just going to finish it up in obscurity and wealth in Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, and there'll probably be a full movie done on her. There'll be a full oh, yeah. movie. Cause she had such a journey. And so, I mean, like if anything, this is probably good for Buffy because it kind of took her, it take, it, I would say she was a B celebrity, even at her height. That's what I'm talking about. Record sales, right? Like, I mean, it's sure. not, she didn't, it's not like she, I, I've never seen her in concert. I've seen, you know, Jan Arden in concert. It's like, I mean, I, I would say I, I put, I put Jan Arden kind of here at kind of like mm. a lo- good local. She'll sell out Centennial Hall. She'll, you know, 2000 people come see her, right? Constantly. But, you know, Taylor Swift, you know, she'll change the local economy. So right. I would say Buffy, Buffy was Jan Arden level, right? And yep. talented, but she's, you know, she, she, but how Buffy made her money was the CBC specials, that type of stuff. She's not, no Rita McNeil. Rita McNeil would be bigger than Buffy. I mean, Rita McNeil would pack a house, but not Taylor Swift level, but she was, so she's like a Canadian and, and bluntly, Here's the part where Canadians should be pissed, right? Buffy would, what would Buffy be without Canada? Long term, 
Yeah, she ha- she won right. an Oscar for her song. She did some stuff. I'm not I'm not taking anything from her American thing, but I don't I, I don't see I didn't I don't remember her selling out concerts. So it, it was sort of the arts world, the government funded stuff. So that's yeah. my take on it. CanCon Canadian content. She rode that right to the top. <laughs> uh, she really did, <laughs> yeah. um, Robbie. I could talk to you all day about Buffy St. Marie and all of the things that we uncovered in our own (laughs) after hours, Facebook messenger investigation chats that we had. Um, But tell us how people. Yes. We found her sister. (laughs) We did. We We did. Facebook. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We did. No, it's good. I was just going to invite you to tell people how they can support the work that you do in oil and gas advocacy because. Unlike Buffy St. Marie, you are not government funded. Go to oilandgasworldmagazine.ca, sign up, go to oilsandstrong.com and sign up. Um, and uh, yeah, buy merch. Uh, we're, uh, uh, we're on our third issue of the magazine. It's going very well. I'm working on the fourth issue and things are plugging along. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Um, and uh, yeah, the merch, uh, I hear that you just got a restock. We did. Yeah, that's awesome. Great Christmas gifts, people, right? Order them now to get them in time for Christmas. Robbie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, I'll, I mean, I'll talk to you very soon, but on camera, (laughs) I'd like to have you back on again very, very soon. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Well, friends, we've come to the portion of the show where I invite your viewer feedback, unlike the mainstream media. And I say this every week, I actually care about what you think about the work that we're doing here at Rebel News, because without you, there's no Rebel News because we're not funded by Justin Trudeau. So we rely on your support to keep the lights on and to keep us going. It's the reason I give you my email address. It's Sheila at rebelnews.com. If you've got something to say about the work that I do, put gun show letters in the subject line so I know it's about the show instead of some other thing I said on one of the other on-camera appearances that I do every single day, every single week. And uh, who knows? You might just get your letter read on air, but... Also, if you are watching us on one of the other platforms on YouTube or Rumble, if you're sitting through an ad and watching the free version of the show, thanks for that. It's also how we pay the bills. But leave a comment in the comment section because sometimes I'll go looking over there to see what you guys are saying about us. So today's letter actually comes from the email inbox and it is on last week's show with my friend Chris Sims from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Gosh, I'm so glad she's an Albertan and I'm so glad we're friends. (laughs) We have a remarkable amount of things in common um, and she's always such a wonderful guest on the show and I Sometimes I wish I could hit record before and after um, we do the show because we have such a robust conversation before and after about, you know, things that are not, they're in the conservative woman realm, but they're not, you know, exactly in the taxpayers federation realm. So we try to keep the topic, the show topics to, you know, the things uh, relating to the organization she's on the show to represent and not, you know, our theories about Bigfoot. And uh, 1960s era 
um, China. <laughs> By China, I also mean like like porcelain, not not the country. Um, anyway, uh, this letter comes from Jerry. Sheila, thanks for your discussion with Chris Sims on modern journalism. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Chris Sims in her before life was a journalist, uh, actually with Sun News when Ezra Levant was there. And so she comes at this through a journalist lens, but also through a taxpayer advocacy lens about why we should not be funding journalism and the crisis it's causing in trust with journalists. Jerry says, over my 20 plus years in the newspaper business, my goal was always, I don't make the morals, I just tell the stories. While our American government doesn't officially bribe the media, it offers a lot of perks to those outlets that spout the right talking points. That is true. Sometimes they get contracts for advertising. Uh, Jerry's obviously an American looking upon Canada with horror. Um, I hope that you in the United States don't go down the same road that we have with funding your media because um, apparently the funding becomes never ending. As we've learned in the most recent fiscal update, Justin Trudeau has not just extended the media bailout past 2027, but increased the media bailout. Um, and by the way, 2027, that's after the next election. So you know exactly what that bailout is designed to do for his electoral prospects. Anyways, let's keep going. In the process, they keep the folks ignorant. Both of our countries need a change. Citizen Jerry. Jerry, 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 from your lips to God's ears. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time and in the same place next week. And as always, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. <laughs>